First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Like a mountain fly, Japanese can boil teas, then where the hell's my royalties? This is Aerosmith. Good evening and welcome to How Profound Can We Be? At the end of the 80s, the Boston-based band Aerosmith stormed back to the top of the hard rock heap with two powerful albums, Permanent Vacation and Pump. New fans flocked, many of them perhaps unaware that this was a group with nearly 20 years of history behind it. It all started one night back in 1970 when a New York City drummer named Steven Tyler dropped into a club to catch a group called the Jam Band. It was an encounter that changed all of their lives. And I come to find out after I went up and saw Joe Perry and Tom Hamilton in New England playing Rattlesnake Shake, that what I was doing all those years was not what it was all about. It was about like letting go and just playing, because those guys couldn't play. They couldn't tune. They were terrible. But they did one song called Rattlesnake Shake, and they blew me away. I looked at them and I thought to myself, That's, this is what it's all about. They had such a groove. It stunk from the groove. It was so hot. It was so bad that I said, if I can take a little bit of what I know from my father and the dream on type stuff and the melodic stuff and, and fuse it with their badness. It was somewhere along the last album, which I came to find out that good God almighty bless my soul. I got the right key, baby, but the wrong keyhole. <laughs> Aerosmith had become the biggest hard rock band in the land, but by 1979 they were fried from constant touring and deeply into cocaine to keep themselves going. Perry walked away from the group first to form the Joe Perry Project. He was followed in 1980 by guitarist Brad Whitford. Aerosmith replaced them with Jimmy Crespo and Rick Dufay and rocked on as best they could, but the band wasn't the same, and Tyler finally realized exactly what had happened. I attribute it all to it's all drugs. I would never do that now. What could anybody possibly do to break up a team like Perry and Tyler? What could break us up? What could anyone do? What could he do that would make me think that, uh, that I didn't want to write with him? It had to have been the drugs that took its toll. And, you know, on one hand, you know, the cocaine made us, our, our army march forward and tour all those times. But look what it did to the band. It's not the cough that carries you off. It's the coffin they carry you off in. <laughs> After five years of flailing away on their own, the original Aerosmith lineup finally drifted back together in 1984, decided to get straight and get serious, and cut a new album called Done With Mirrors. 
It wasn't the comeback breakthrough they'd hoped for, but it was definitely a declaration of intent. And this guy with the big lips gets up and says, I'm glad I got a chance to put my bologna in the Aerosmithsonian. <laughs> and they sit back, sit back and order dessert. That's what kind of day it's been. Besides, it's better to see my permanent vacation suit on the wall of the Hard Rock than down in Goodwill on some bum. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your host, Stephen Michael. Now, crank it up. So it's time to keep this train kept a rolling. Wait a minute. I guess that's a different era of Aerosmith that I'm talking about. So, yes, it's time to cover the later years of Aerosmith, 1982 to 2012, because that was their last studio album release. And as you all know, or if you're new to the podcast, my co-host Hollywood doesn't really like Aerosmith. So I always have to bring in other great friends who actually do like Aerosmith to help me get through this episode. And so coming back to the podcast for the second time on this Aerosmith topic is my friend from Damn Good Movie Memories podcast, Brian Davis. Brian. Steven, my home away from home. Thank you so much for having me back on again. And uh, appreciative that I can replace the great sunny Hollywood Pony, even though I, I shouldn't say great now because he doesn't like one of the greatest bands of all time. What the fuck is Sonny Pony? Exactly. And let's say this, you and I both agree on better music than Pony most of the time anyway. Absolutely. <laughs> and we've got a rookie, a first time uh, visitor to the Grown Up Rock podcast, Alex from the Sly Dog podcast, right? Sly Dog Music Cast. How's it going, man? Music cast, podcast, it's all the same, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. What's going on, Alex? Not a whole lot. Just here to have a rock and roll good time because I got a case of rock and roll pneumonia. Now, there you go. (laughs) All right! I know, I know everybody's hot. Everybody's got rock and roll pneumonia! (laughs) And the boogie-woogie flu. And the boogie-woogie flu, exactly. Exactly, the hoochie-coochie man. That's right. <laughs> and Alex, you're familiar with my co-host Hollywood because you had him on your podcast while you guys went through some prints, right? I did. We talked about the album, The Gold Experience. It was an absolute blast. You guys should go check that out. Slide Dog Music Cast, iTunes, Podbean, wherever you find podcasts. Check it out. So you guys know plenty about Brian and his podcast, Damn Good Movie Memories. But for people that are just showing up to the podcast for the first time, give the listeners a little bit about Damn Good Movie Memories, Brian. 
Yeah, so basically, it's, it's a lot like Growing Up Rock. Uh, the only difference is, for the last maybe 150 episodes, we've done specific movies, which has been a lot of fun, because I have a huge DVD collection. I kind of got sick about doing topics, because I was running out of ideas, and I thought, well, why don't I just do deep dives into some of my favorite films, almost like watching the bonus footage. And that's been a lot of fun. It's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun. Some movies that you've never seen, you may appreciate it. And movies you've seen a million times, you'll appreciate it because you'll learn something new. And so Stephen and Sonny are both guests. I know Stephen, uh, we just recorded not too long ago for South Park, the movie. So that'll be coming out soon. Uh, Stakeout uh, with Richard Dreyfus and Emilio Estevez, both uh, Stephen and Sonny separately were on that. So it's always a lot of fun to go through in-depth details about a certain film, but then get guests on to hear their, you know, their history, you know, their grown up movies type of uh, deal. And that's always a lot of fun. So yeah, damn good movie memories. Anywhere you download podcasts, you can check it out and you can definitely hear your favorite guys from growing up rock on it. That's right. Cartman. He's not fat. He's big boned. Remember that people. <laughs> that's right. And blame Canada. Yeah, exactly. Go blame Canada. Alex, why don't you tell folks a little bit about your podcast? So the Sly Dog Music Cast is a music and interview podcast. I started just because I wanted to interview people and talk about the music I loved. And that's everything from like, like Stephen was saying, like Prince to Survivor to doing interviews with people like Jeff Pilsen and Tommy Clefados. So it's just a lot of fun. It's my unique perspective on the music. And I talk about a lot of music that was honestly before my time. Like I'm a little bit of a younger guy. So it's a lot of me talking about music that I didn't necessarily like. I wasn't there when it was released, but I grew up loving it and I'm giving my perspective on it. And I'm talking to some of the people that made it too. And that's great. Yeah, because Alex, I think you're, well, I know you're a lot younger than I am, but I think you might even be younger than Brian. I th- I'm 42, so. 27. Just a little bit. Yeah. Super young. <laughs> yeah, as, as you'll hear later, my, my introduction to uh, the band we're going to talk about today, Aerosmith, it was uh, probably something that you guys like probably totally tuned out at the time. You'd be surprised. I, I, I've stuck with Aerosmith through everything so yeah yeah alex was literally born when janie's got a gun uh came out (laughs) (laughs) actually i think i think no that's a little uh, that's before my time i think get a grip yeah get a grip would be the one that came out yeah it was get a grip came out the year i was born lord that dates us yeah holy (laughs) cow man that's crazy shit yeah So we're going to get into all things Aerosmith 82 to 2012. But before we do that, you know, we got to do this. It's time for the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. So tonight's Crank It Up New Music Spotlight comes to us from a band called Slammin' Gladys. You guys have heard us talk about this band before. This band put out a record in 1992. Their first album came out. The tie-in was that they were basically buddy-buddy with Janie Lane at the time. Uh, He was really into the band. I think he ended up producing their first record. And there was some really good quality stuff. They were kind of caught up in that rock-funk vibe at the time and so i would encourage you go check out that debut slamming gladys record if you can find it because there really is some good stuff on it but lo and behold 2020 comes around the pandemic is happening and what do they do they put out an album called two so they're just getting around to their second release that didn't take long but check out this song from slamming gladys called dragon eyed girl 
members Dave Brooks, the singer, J.J. Ferris on guitar, Al Collins on bass, Stephen DeBoard on drums. That's a funky little ditty. What do you think about that, Alex? I thought it was cool. I'd never heard of the band before, honestly, and their story is actually very intriguing to me now. But uh, I thought it had a nice little groove to it. It was kind of had a nice little 70s vibe to it. Very nice slice of melodic rock. Definitely want to check out the rest of the album. I want it to pick out a little bit something with a funk vibe to it because, I mean, come on. That's what Aerosmith does, right? They're a little funky like that. What do you think of it, Brian? 
Well, when it first started, I was like, what are, What is Steven doing here? Because <laughs> I did not dig the beginning. Once it kicked in, I was like, okay, I get it. Yeah, definitely an Aerosmith vibe. I heard, uh, kind of like what Alex was saying, Grand Funk, you know, from yeah. the late 60s, early 70s, which uh, if, if you've never heard Grand Funk and you only know we're an American band, check them out too, because their early stuff is tremendous. Uh, yeah, that's what I kind of heard with them. And I want to check out more stuff from them now. I really haven't heard anything by them. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. So we started this whole thing back with episode 150 when Brian came on with Phil Schaus to do Aerosmith 1973 through 79. And we covered that whole thing. And we covered all the records. We did our top 10. It was a really good episode. Alex, where does your story start with Aerosmith? So my story starts, I was a pretty young kid. It's one of my earliest musical memories is it seemed like everybody around me, like both my parents and I had some young uncles at the time, had copies of the compilation album, Big Ones. And I, ha- I didn't necessarily listen to the album right away. I just liked the artwork. I thought it was kind of like the blue and black kind of like drew me in. And there's this weird back cover with the sumo wrestlers, which I thought was just weird at the time. And then uh, Nine Lives came out. And I heard one of my uh, uncles listening to the song Nine Lives and there's that cat hissing at the beginning. I'm like, what is this? Like I, at that point, like I knew the cars and I knew my mom's country music. So Aerosmith sounded a little more aggressive. So it was, I was definitely intrigued. I didn't know who the band was. I didn't know like, you know, anything else. Like I couldn't like place any of the other songs on the album, but I knew that cat song with the hissing. <laughs> and I would ask, the, I would ask to hear that as a kid. And then fast forward a couple of years, like after listening to classic rock radio and stuff like that, I decided, okay, I want to go a little deeper into Aerosmith. So I started actually with a VHS called Big Ones You Can Look At. It's a video collection my dad had. And I watched that over and over again. And that kind of like started me like with this era specifically we're talking about today. It really gave me a love for like the 80s stuff, like videos for songs like Eat the Rich and What It Takes really pulled me in and made me a fan. And then I went back further and got into the 70s stuff, probably when I was like going into high school. And that's when I became a mega fan. It started with like I got live bootleg and I was just hooked. I had to go get everything I learning the band's history. I read Walk This Way. I read Steven's book. Um, I just haven't read Joe's yet. I've read Joey Kramer's. Like, just envelop myself in everything. Listen to the solo records. Like, I just became a huge Aerosmith fan. I love Steven's voice. I think it's very powerful. And he can do a lot of different stuff with it. I think Joe Perry is one of the coolest motherfuckers on the planet. I mean, the way he carries himself on stage and the way he plays guitar. And then you got the rest of the band just kind of laying it down solid and holding it together. They really are like American version of the Stones, in my mind. So that's kind of my history with Aerosmith. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting here because when you look at the three of us in the age differences, me in my 50s, Brian in his 40s, and Alex in his 20s, we really do cover a vast area of Aerosmith's years, their career. We pretty much cover their entire career between us. I've already talked about on that last episode that we did on Aerosmith about how I wasn't an Aerosmith fan early on. I didn't like the way they looked. And so I just kind of shoved my nose up at them while I was listening to Judas Priest and Metallica. And that's really all I cared about. And then I went from there to the Sunset Strip and got into the Motley Crue's and the Rats and bands like that. Van Halen, obviously. So it wasn't until this later era of Aerosmith that I matured a little bit and decided to give it a chance. And that's where I kind of got hooked and went back and got all that stuff. For you personally, Brian, 
where does the 80s Aerosmith, I'll just call it 80s Aerosmith, where does that era lie for you? Are you more of a fan of the earlier Aerosmith or the later Aerosmith? You know, because I've been on the podcast before, I'm I'm a big fan of everything that came before me. <laughs> so when I got into Aerosmith, even though it was right around when Pump came out, I was ingratiated with, you know, the, the Red Greatest Hits album. That was my jam initially. And then once I heard all that, got all the 70s on tape, then I went to Pump and that was what was new. And you you, you couldn't avoid Pump because it was all over MTV. And so then, then I was like, okay, well, Pump is, to me, every bit as good as all the great stuff in the 70s. So it totally worked. And then I, I checked out more of the 80s stuff. So yeah, I kind of went went backwards with that, almost similar to Alex in many ways. You know, it's like when he was introduced to the big ones, which would have been the 90s, I was basically doing the same thing with the, you know, the first greatest hits and then, and then kind of went forward with, with things. But you're much more of a blues guy. Absolutely. You prefer the older Aerosmith stuff, right? Without a doubt. Yeah. Without okay. a doubt. And, yeah, yeah. and I'm the same way. I think from an age difference, I just prefer the earlier Aerosmith stuff, even though it was the later stuff that got me hooked and had me go backwards. Alex, now that you've gotten into the band and you got into the band in that era of 80s and on, do you prefer that era versus the old era? Or are you also an old era guy? I'm an old era guy. Honestly, like my go-to when I want to listen to Aerosmith is probably rocks these days. Okay. So yeah, I'd say the seventies is my go-to stuff. I love it, but I do feel like the eighties era that we're going to talk about today. I do feel like it gets looked down upon a bit because that seventies stuff is so strong and they started doing more ballads and became a little more commercial, but I feel like there's some really hard rock and stuff like from like rock and a hard place on that people just miss. And I don't get why, because there's some really good gems hidden on those albums. Like if you look for them and that's kind of, what I'm hoping to spotlight with my list today, because I specifically loaded my list with rocker after rocker after rocker. I find it a little bit interesting because people that came into Van Halen in the Sammy years. Mm-hmm. Sonny. Yeah. Well, they <laughs> actually prefer that Sammy Hagar yeah. era versus the older stuff. That's why I wondered. And I know Aerosmith has gotten a whole host of new fans with the 80s stuff. There oh, yeah. are people that got turned on to Aerosmith and much, much more are aligned with that stuff than they are the old stuff. So that's kind of interesting to me that, Alex, you you ended up going backwards and enjoying the 70s. Brian, not so much. I, I kind of figured that because you're an old soul and you like the blues stuff. So it's just it's obvious that that's where you would gravitate towards. I will say, though, that I really do enjoy the 80s. It's not I don't enjoy the 70s so much more that I, I just miss the 80s. The 90s a little bit different. So we will get into that. And I, I think that's where I think a lot of the hate comes from is the 90s and, and, and on. I think 80s, there's still some love because of like Rock and Hard Place and Done With Mirrors, which I think is underrated. Mm-hmm. I think Permanent Vacation probably gets some of the hate, um, maybe because of, but I don't know. It just, we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into all of that. Let's not go too far into this. The bottom line is, is that I think we all enjoy stuff in the 80s from Aerosmith because we wouldn't be doing this podcast and covering it if we didn't. So So everybody's going to give their 10, 9, and 8 to start us off. Alex, let's start with you since you're the new guy on the block. Give us your 10, 9, and 8 and tell us a little bit about how you went about choosing your top 10 and some of the songs. So I went about choosing my top 10 is I wanted to avoid singles. And I did for the most part. One song I picked was a single, but it didn't reach the top 40 and it wasn't a ballad. So that's kind of why I was okay with it. And then the other thing I went for is I really wanted to rock it up. So there's only one ballad in my list. So that's kind of the thought process that I went into with my list. 
And I also just wanted to pick songs that I loved. So kicking things off, I'm going to kick off with Taste of India from Nine Lives. It's a heavy, intense song. It's like a hurricane. That's, that, that song is like standing in a sandstorm or something. It's just huge. Number nine, The Reason to Dog from Done With Mirrors. This highlights another thing I love about Aerosmith, Stephen's lyrics. She likes to grab my microphone. The Reason the Dog has so many friends is he wags his tail instead of his tongue. I love that stuff. And number eight, Hangman Jury. Such a cool, swampy blues number. It feels like an old blues song, but it's an Aerosmith original. Like, this could have been like a Lead Belly song. It's so, like, you know, swampy and bluesy. I love Tyler's vocal on it. It's super animated, and it became a live favorite. It's so cool. Don't you 
Yeah, for me, Hangman Jury actually almost made my list. I really like that swampy feeling. I think Aerosmith does that great. I know a lot of people that hate that song for some reason. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I don't get it. Brian, you like that tune? I love it. And I, well, I'm a huge fan of the blues. So that, that immediately drew me to actually permanent vacation. I remember they opened up uh, MTV Unplugged with that. Yeah. That's how much they thought of it. And they still perform it live every now and then. So I, I love I think it's a great song. I, I think there's some people, you know, we, we talked about this, you know, Kiss kind of went through the, the fake blues era, you know, with, um, you know, Rise to it and stuff <laughs> like that. I, and Poison doing Poor Boy Blues. I think they, maybe Aerosmith kind of got lumped with the kind of the poser blues. Yeah, I don't know. But if you listen to the 70s, they're, they've always been into the blues. Yeah, I mean, this is not a far stretch for anything that they did in the 70s. So I don't, I just don't get that at all. And and so, yeah, that's a great pick. Reason a Dog is a fantastic pick. I think Done With Mirrors gets a lot of hate, and that's a good song. The lyrics, like you pointed out, killer, killer, killer. And Taste of India, which is a, a definite deep pick off of Nine Lives, I actually like that song as well. So that's a good start for sure. Brian, what are your thoughts on Taste of India and Reason a Dog? Well, I'll, I'll talk about Taste of India a little bit soon, spoiler alert. And uh, <laughs> a reason a dog is great. It's, it's probably not. It's not my favorite on uh, Done with Mirrors, but there's not nothing on Done with Mirrors that I dislike. But I'm glad Alex brought that up because that that deserves some love. And as Stephen mentioned in the first episode with Phil Schaus, we kind of picked deep tracks because again, everyone's heard the all time greats. And, and and my list is more the same. I went with my favorites. There may be some popular songs on there, but if they're my favorites, I don't care if they're popular or not. So. Great start to this from Alex. Thank you. Why don't you bring us in with your uh, 10, 9, and 8 there, Brian? So I tried not to laugh out loud during his number 10 because my number 10 is Taste of India. <laughs> so, Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. I think this is kind of like a sibling song to Flesh from uh, Get a Grip. It's kind of got that gallop to it. And it's kind of reminiscent to Back in the Saddle. At least, and that's what kind of drew me to the song in the first place. And I like how he doubles the vocal and has got that Middle Eastern influence. So that to me is by far the best song on, on Nine Lives.
my number nine pick is Eat the Rich. When Get a Grip first came out, the first single was Living on the Edge, which came out a few months before. And I get Living on the Edge not so much because I love Pump so, you know, so much. But once I heard Eat the Rich, oh, that hooked me because that could have fit on Pump, the huge drum sound, you know, the the great guitar licks. And uh, yeah, I thought I thought Eat the Rich was great, even though, you know, Crocus had their Eat the Rich and Motorhead didn't Eat the Rich. <laughs> I, I like uh, Aerosmith just as much. And my number eight, you know, we were talking about not picking ballads, but I had to throw one on there because I think the best ballad that one of the best ballads they ever did was What It Takes. I, I think it's by far the best of their comeback era. They even make the accordion sound good. It's almost harkens back to what they did in the 70s where they would end the album with a ballad like on Toys and Rocks, Night in the Ruts. And, and this is the only quote unquote hit I picked. So uh, those are my 1098. Awesome. Well, Taste of India, obviously well represented on Nine Lives. And like I said, it's a great tune. For sure, Eat the Rich. Spoiler alert later on for me, but great tune. And then What It Takes. You know my feeling on ballads. It is what they do, and they do it well. I get it. And as far as their ballads go, that's one that I that I don't dislike as much <laughs> as some of the others, I guess, is is my what I would say. It's a winner then. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. There you go. What What the hell do I know anyway? <laughs> Alex, what do you think of those tunes? Uh, of course, I love Taste of India. That's a great pick. Uh, Eat the Rich. I'm going to talk about that a little later. Spoiler alert as well. <laughs> and then What It Takes. I wanted to pick that song so badly, but it just violated my rule. I love Tyler's vocal on that song. Yeah. I think it's one of their best ballads. I love their ballads. I love their ballads so much. I have the uh, Tough Love Best of the Ballads compilation, actually. I love them so much. <laughs> Awesome. And uh, I have a funny story about what it takes, actually. So uh, when I went to my uh, when I went to my junior prom, the teachers were doing these prizes, like these cash prizes, like of, like fifty and hundred dollars and something like that. And uh, I won the hundred dollars one by answering this question. And the challenge was to run up to the stage that they had set up and sing the first few lines of an Aerosmith song, and you could win the hundred dollars. <laughs> and I heard that, and I bolted. I got to that microphone, and I went, "There goes my old girlfriend. There's another diamond ring." After all those late night promises, I guess they don't mean a thing. I got the hundred bucks. Nice. So look at that. We got a regular Steven Tyler with us, buddy. I know. I, I can play the accordion. <laughs> <laughs> I can't play or sing, so I'm just gonna keep my mouth quiet. <laughs> well, that's cool. So it's time for me to get on with my 10, 9, and 8. So at number 10. Listen, I wanted to give a little bit of love to Nine Lives, and I could have gone with Nine Lives. Taste of India, like you guys already pointed out, is a great song, but I went the more popular route because I absolutely love the title of Falling in Love is Hard on the Knees. There's something about this song that is just pop goodness, and in the 80s, Aerosmith had a lot of that, so I like Falling in Love is Hard on the Knees from Nine Lives. It's a good tune. Is it typical Aerosmith? No, not really. Maybe it was for the 80s, but it's not a ballad either. So falling in love is hard on the knees. So cool. Number nine, I want to recognize an album that I think is highly underrated from the 80s. And it gets a lot of hatred and it gets hatred because basically it's an album that really is not necessarily an Aerosmith album, but it's more just Steven Tyler. And that's Rockin' a Hard Place. That record, if you're not listening to that record because there is no Joe Perry or Brad Whitford, you might want to check it out because there is some really good stuff on that record. And the tune that I like is Bolivian Ragamuffin, <laughs> written by Tyler and Crespo. 
Bolivian ragamuffin is an obvious reference to cocaine, and they were certainly full of it on this record. There's no doubt about it, but that's my number nine, Bolivian ragamuffin. And then at number eight, I don't care how much hate if people aren't into permanent vacation, that's up to them. That's their opinion. But I love permanent vacation and I love magic touch. And that's my number eight tune. So that's my 10, nine and eight. Falling in love is hard on the knees. Bolivian ragamuffin and magic touch. What do you think there, Alex? Uh, that's a really solid first three. Uh, Falling in love on love is hard on the knees. I fucking love that song too, man. I love the video too. It's it's really funny in my opinion. And another great Steven Tylerism. Don't give me no lip. I got enough of my own. Come on, that's awesome. And then uh, Bolivian Ragamuffin. That's actually for me one of the weaker songs on Rock in a Hard Place. But I agree with you about the album. If you're not listening to that just because Joe Perry's not on there, you're you're missing out. It's a great record. I love it. And then Magic Touch. That's interesting because 
that was a song when I was getting ready for this. I revisited Permanent Vacation for the first time in a while, and that song really stood out to me. I thought it was really good. It didn't make my list, but it really stuck in my head. And it's kind of it's kind of Bon Jovi-ish, actually, in a way, like the production and stuff. It gives me Bon Jovi vibes. So good choices. Yeah, and I think a lot of that Bon Jovi vibe comes from Desmond Child, who's all over oh, yeah. Permanent Vacation. Uh, yep. And we'll get into that a little bit more as we go. But Brian, what what are your thoughts on those uh, three I would say two out of three ain't bad. So uh, <laughs> I'm not a fan of falling love as hard on the knees. So uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that. I'm glad you like it though. So you get that. Uh, Bolivian Ragamuffin love because it's so funky and, and that's that's all Steven Tyler and uh, Jimmy Crespo. He's awesome on that. And and there's a uh, there's a song on there that that uh, Joe Perry loves. They wish he played on, and we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later. And Magic Touch, I really do like this song. I'll be talking about it a little bit later. So that's awesome. Yeah. So we're not all going to agree with each other on our picks and that's okay. That's, that's actually the point. That's what makes it good. This is a good start because we're getting some deep tracks in here. We're giving some albums, a little bit of love that maybe wouldn't get it. So I really like that. So that's everybody's 10, nine, eight. Now it's time to move on to our seven, six and five. Start us off, Alex. All right, well, kicking us off from Get a Grip, we got at number seven, Shut Up and Dance. This song is just a lot of fun to me. I love the groove. Joe's chaotic guitar solo is just incredible. It's co-written by Tommy Shaw and Jack Blage, which I think is kind of cool. Two people I love. My favorite line on that song is, sex is like a gun. You aim, you shoot, you run. And it's also in Wayne's World, too. That was the first place I heard that one. Great song. And number six, another one from Get a Grip, Fever. That's the one Tyler Perry composition on that album. And I feel like that song would be a good show. I love Tyler gets to bust out the harmonica. The whole band just cooks on that one. And Tom's got a nice little walking bass part. And my number five, got to give some love to Joe Perry on lead vocals with Walk On Down. That song is just cool and it oozes it. He's not like vocally like, you know, as strong as Tyler, but his voice sounds great on this song. It just works. And that guitar solo, again, just killing it. Walk On Down, love that song. Brian, what are your thoughts on uh, Alex's picks? Well, definitely, there's some get a grip love there. <laughs> that <was> the middle <laughs> of the list. Uh, Shut up and dance. That's funny. I, not a huge fan. I do like that it was in um, Wayne's World. So that was cool. I remember seeing Wayne's World too in the theater. I'm like, oh, Aerosmith in it. That, that's cool. Fever, I love. Fever almost made my list. I almost had Fever instead of Taste of India. And Garth Brooks covered it. He liked it so much. So I, yeah, yep. really big fan of Fever. And Walk On Down, I think, might be Joe Perry's best solo song with with Aerosmith. Bright Light Fright, I'd probably give an edge to. But uh, yeah, I, I always like Walk On Down. After that song, I I don't think Joe's voice has sounded that good, especially in yeah. later, later songs. But uh, yeah, no, guy, good to see Get A Grip represented. Is Walk On Down on Get A Grip? Yep. Yeah. That one, I'm not... I could go 50-50 on that song. I don't love it. I think it's okay. I just don't generally love Joe Perry as a singer. It just, he doesn't do it for me, especially when you got Steven Tyler in it. Fever, I like. I like Fever a lot. And Shut Up and Dance, I agree with you, Alex. That's just a fun song. I know a lot of people that hate the horn era of Aerosmith because they used a lot of the keyboard horns in their recordings during this era, but I like it. It's fun. That's the bottom line. So, and I really do enjoy Jack Blades and Tommy Shaw's songwriting. Uh, they do a lot of great stuff together. So, uh, that's a great pick. Good pick with that. Brian on to you. All right. So my number seven pick is, uh, F I N E fine. Uh, the, the title of the song was going to be the, the title of Pump, but uh, there was a debate on that. And by the way, if you, if you want to check out a, a really tremendous making of video, check out The Making of Pump. It's one of the best documentaries ever ever made music-wise for me. I love seeing them, you know, the creation of songs. And if you didn't know, 
fine means fucked up, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. Just an awesome rocker would have been perfect in the seventies, and it's uh, vintage Steven Tyler on this, you know, the sleazy lyrics. Uh, my number six was Steven's number eight, and that is Magic Touch. That's one of my favorite deep tracks from the comeback era. I think that would have been a great fourth single after Dude, Angel, and Ragdoll. It totally has that arena sound uh, of that era. Very catchy chorus and and uh, maybe a bit too heavy on the reverb. It does sound a little uh, Bruce Fairbairn-y, you know, there and Desmond Child. But, uh, I, again, that's that's a lot. I, right after, um, you know, Heart's on Time, it goes into Magic Touch. I think that's that's a great one, too. And then my fifth is uh, I'm going to go to Rock in a Hard Place. And this I kind of alluded to this before, that Joe Perry wished he played on this song, and that's Jailbait. Oh, man, one of the best yeah. openers that they ever did. I mean, it's like speed rock in there. You know, it, it just harkens back to kind of Toys in the Attic and Rats in the Cellar. And, uh, you know, you, you almost, you still miss Joe Perry and Brad Whitford on the album, but Jimmy Crespo is awesome on, on that album. And Joey Kramer's great on this song. So Jailbait, my number five. Awesome. Alex, what do you think of those three? Uh, F-I-N-E fine. I'm going to talk about it a little later. Of course, Magic Touch, like I said, great song. And then Jailbait, I fucking love that song. I agree. Great opener to Rock in a Hard Place. Just a kick-ass, you know, one of those speedy Aerosmith songs I just love. So, yeah, good three picks. All right, so let's start with Jailbait. Jailbait I like a lot. What I don't like about Jailbait is the weird vocal melody. There's just something, I don't know, there's just something that's weird for me that doesn't feel quite right. Uh, and I get it. It's a little bit darker kind of melody, but overall, I like that song. So drugs, a lot of drugs, probably. And that's probably why it stayed off my list because I do like lightning strikes better. I do like Bolivian ragamuffin better. And I do like bitches brew quite a bit off that record. F I N E fine. I'll talk about that a little bit later. And as you know, magic touch, what's there to say about that? I think it's a great song off a great record. So.
I'll move on to my seven, six, and five, and I'll start off with Eat the Rich from Get a Grip. I absolutely love this song, and much like you, Brian, this one is the one that sold Get a Grip for me, because after hearing Living on the Edge, I was kind of like, uh, meh, maybe, but Eat the Rich solidified it. They have that whole intro jungle boogie type thing going on at the beginning, and then it just kicks in. I absolutely love it. And F-I-N-E, Fine. What a killer song that is. And that is at number six for me. I absolutely love it. And at number five for me, The Permanent Vacation Love Continues with (laughs) a song that I just think is a well-written song, and that is Simariah off of Permanent Vacation. That is my seven, six, and five. Alex, what do you think of those? Seven and six, I'm going to talk about a little later. Simariah, that's actually one of the lesser tracks on uh, Permanent Vacation for me, but not a bad song. Just one of those ones that just doesn't stick with me. So not a bad choice. It's cool to see a deep cut get some love. Brian? Yeah, one thing I'll add to Eat the, Eat the Rich I did really mention before is I, I, I think, you know, Get a Grip gets a lot of hate because of so many ballads. I personally wish there would have been more songs like, like Eat the Rich on it. But look, the proof's in the pudding. They sold an enormous, I think it's their best-selling album. So the proof's in the pudding, and, and they did release, release Eat the Rich as their second single, and it flopped, and they even did a video for it. So, you know, obviously Alicia Silverstone stole, sold a lot of albums from, from them in those ballads, so I get it. They're, you know, I, I wish they had gone in a darker, heavier route, but, you know, we can talk more about how that affected their later albums. But, uh, yeah, it, your list is terrific. Simariah, uh, really good. Steven Tyler, <laughs> that chorus that he goes, you know, those... Those that vocal range, it's terrific on, on that song. That's a, that's a really good deep pick that people should check out. Yeah, I really like the melody to that tune, and, yeah. and that's why that ended up making the list. It's important in the rock and roll business to be well-manscaped. Perfect grooming is important to dirty rocker boys. And we trust our sponsor, Manscaped, the best for men's below-the-waist grooming to take care of us. Manscaped offers precision engineering tools for your family jewels, baby. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the Lawnmower 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with their family jewels with this exclusive offer just for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the promo code ROCK AND ROLL at manscaped.com. Again, that promo code ROCK AND ROLL at manscaped.com. Check out some of these killer features. Manscaped engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and an incredibly comfortable grooming experience. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. You know what I'm talking about. Thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. This upgraded trimmer includes a multifunctional on off switch that can engage a travel lock just in case you're traveling. It also gives you the ability to turn on the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when you need a more precise shave, I guess, in the dark. The Lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customize your trim with the additional guard links, which are sizes one through four. Did I mention wireless charging? The new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help battery length last longer. Oh, and it's waterproof, so you can use it in the shower all you want. Boom! Pick up one of these today. I used mine today, and I promise you, your partner and your balls will thank you. So... 
Get 20% off plus free shipping with promo code rock and roll at manscaped.com today. Stop being a dirty, dirty boy. So we're going to take a quick break from the Aerosmith love. And I want to take a minute to recognize my co-host who, even though he doesn't like Aerosmith, I got to recognize Sonny Hollywood Pooney for all he does for the Grown Up Rock podcast. As always, Sonny, you are the man. And I want to give you a big shout out. Also want to take a minute to recognize the Grown Up Rock Loud Minority Facebook group. You guys are awesome in there. We got a good positive group of people that share their thoughts on music in a positive way. And it's really no BS, no poisonous uh, remarks. It's kind of nice. And uh, with Facebook, that's a good thing because there's just too many haters out there that hate this or hate that for whatever reason. And I would just rather you not comment if you don't like something. It's okay to not like something. I just hate it in a negative way because other people probably love what you might hate and vice versa. So it's all good. Thank you to everybody at the Growing Up Rock Loud Minority Facebook group. And thank you to Sunny Hollywood Pooney. We always enjoy your insight, even though most of the time it's probably wrong. But that's okay. <laughs> Let's get back into the episode. So let's move on to our four through two. Alex, what do you got for us? All right. Starting off at number four, this is the soul ballad in my list. And that's full circle from nine lives. I had to get at least one in and this is a great song. I love the chorus. I love it when it goes into the key change. It's not totally a ballad like crazy or what it takes. It's kind of bluesy, but it's a really cool song and I love it. So that's why I picked it at number three from pump my girl. Absolutely kick-ass 70 song, 70 sounding song that could have been on rocks, in my opinion. It's just a great, great kick-ass rocker. It's very stonesy, too. And my number two, I alluded to this, F-I-N-E Fine from Pump. What an incredible song. Those lyrics are just wonderfully raunchy. I love all the different lines. You know, Joe Perry says, I'm all right. Tipper thinks I'm all right. My little sister thinks I'm all right. That's all. I love it. I hear that you're so tight. You're loving squeaks. What an awesome lyric to put in a song. Ain't got no rubbers. Now it's raining all the time. I mean, Steven's just on fire with his one-liners in this one. It's just crazy, mad, wonderful, horny energy packaged into like three or four minutes. And I love it. Get back on my feet, honey. Yeah, yeah. Some 
crazy, mad, horny, wonderful magic. I mean, that's that's almost poetry right there. That might be a Steven Tyler yeah. lyric, right? <laughs> I hope he listens. Yeah, no doubt that uh, Steven Tyler is an interesting wordsmith for sure. And I think yep. that's part of what we love about him. Brian, what do you think of those three choices? If you watch that documentary, The Making of Pump, he, he even admits he's incredibly like lazy with his lyrics in the sense that he always waits the last minute to write them. And so he says he works better under pressure. Which is amazing because he comes up with some just amazing gems. So what, what he comes up with, no, it's almost like David Roth in many ways. You know, he just nobody has that type of brain, and, and nobody can match what they do. Uh, full circle, not a big fan. Can't really comment much on it. I, I have to have you go back and listen. To it. I don't listen to Nine Lives that often anymore. But my girl, when they were making that album, they thought that might even be a single. Uh, that's a strong rocker. That that to me is is an un, you know, a hidden gem on Pump. And I already mentioned Fine because it was on the list. So yeah, good ones. I just added that making of Aerosmith's pump to my watch list because I, I don't think I've ever seen that that I can remember. Oh, you'll love it because you see the very beginning phase of just Joe and Steven in the room just by himself. Steven on piano, Joe on his guitar, and they're writing like the intro riff to Love in an Elevator. And then you see it evolve where they kind of build and build and build. It, it's really the best way to do it. It's it's before every you know everything got overproduced and really it, it's a great you know, document and testament of that era. I love a good music documentary, man. Even if yeah. it's a band that I don't love, I, I just, if it's a well-made documentary, I really, really dig it. And you, you really get to see the production too, because Bruce Fairbairn's in there. You see the arguments, you see Claudner come in and talk about, you know, when they're making Janie's got a gun and Claudner is first, he's like, this is your masterpiece. This is going to be enormous. And he was right. And so that's cool to see, you know, they were predicting and then it eventually came to fruition. So yeah, definitely check it out. All right. So, Alex, I'll give my comments on your uh, three choices. All right. So, full circle, it is a ballad, and I can't get with that, man. I got it. I understood, and it's good that it's uh, it's a good one for you, but I'm going to have to pass on that one. I love ballads. I really, really love ballads. My Girl, great song. Almost made my list. Definitely a great song. And then their third pick was what? If I Any Fine. That's another one that showed up on all three of our list. So, so far we've got F-I-N-E Fine, which showed up on all three of our list, and Eat the Rich has showed up on mine and Brian's list, but not yours yet, right? That's correct. All right. (laughs) So we'll get there. We'll get there. It's all good. All right, Brian, you want to give us yours? Sure. So my number four is uh, the first I think I picked off, Done With Mirrors, and that's My Fist, Your Face. Uh, You know, you kind of mentioned, like, I wish Get a Grip had... Uh, more rockers and maybe was like a full rocker, like full rocker album because there really are no ballads for the most part on on Done with Mirrors and it didn't sell well. So I'm wrong, obviously commercial, you know, wise they're right, but I love Done with Mirrors and I think My Fist Your Face just rocks. I mean, I, it's it was even in their early set list of the Done with Mirrors tour, but they never performed it. And I get it; most people aren't going to they're going to go get a beer when it comes on. But I, I I think it's awesome. I think if you're a hard rock fan, My Fist Your Face is is one to definitely check out. All right, number three, and this is where the hate mail is going to come. From music from another dimension, uh, I, I picked Street Jesus for my, my number three because, man, people hate this album. And, and I, I do like this album, but one caveat, it is way too long. I think it would have been a perfect eight to ten track album, not the bloated 15 tracks that made the official album. I think Street Jesus is one of the best songs the band has released going back to the pump era. And, and part of the reason, Brad Whitford, because Brad Whitford is an unsung hero in this band. We talked about in the set, you know, in the 70s episode i i just think this is perfect sleaze it goes on for over six and a half minutes and doesn't let up i i think it's terrific 
And my number two, very sleazy as well, lightning strikes from Rock in a Hard Place. And uh, again, this could have been on rocks. I, I just, I think it's a terrific song. It's it's one of the few songs that Brett Whitford plays on. I think it's the only song he plays on for um, Rock in a Hard Place. So, uh, and, and it was, I think, the first video the Aerosmith filmed as well. It was. Yeah. <laughs> so the, that's my four, three, two. Nice. Alex, what are your thoughts on those? Uh, number four. What was number four again, Brian? My fist, your face. My fist, your I, face. I'm not threatening you. Just that, that's <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good rocker. It's not my favorite song on Done with Mirrors, but I love that song. Like there are no songs on Done with Mirrors I would skip. I mm-hmm. adore that album. Up next, uh, it was Street Jesus. I fucking love that song. I think music from another dimension is incredibly underrated, and that's another song kind of like Taste of India. It's just really intense and dense, and just hits you like a hurricane. I love that song. And then Lightning Strikes, that's a classic. Uh, that song is so good that they played it when Joe Perry and Brad Whitford rejoined the band. They kept playing it all the way through the pump tour. That's how yeah. much they like that song. And like you're saying, that video, it's wonderful. It's ridiculous with the melons and everything, but it's oh, yeah. wonderful. The greasers, yeah. Yeah. Steven Tyler in his outsiders phase. Yes. Yep. Pony boy. <laughs> Steven Pony boy Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that, right. that's what I remember most from that video. Yeah. That's a great tune. Lightning strikes is a great tune. My fist, your face came this close to making my list because it is definitely one of the highlights on done with mirrors for me. I really dig that tune and the subject matter, my fist, your face. And that's for sure. I mean, that's, that's rock and roll, right? That's killer. And then street Jesus. Yeah. So I get that out there in California, it's legal (laughs) to smoke pot, but (laughs) too much pot is probably Uh, not a good thing there. Stoner boy. Pop, pop, give. Puff, 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 pass. Jesus. (laughs) No, nah, not one of my favorites off that record. Not that I actually have some favorites off that record, but I'll try and mention a couple that I feel are listenable later on. But yeah, that one does not necessarily work for me personally. That's fair. But I mean, were you on mushrooms when you pick falling in love is hard on the knees? I mean, so I mean, just different type of drug. No, I was falling in love and it was hard on my knees, man. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. So it hit home with me. It hit home with me. It it was like the music video. He forgot the safety word. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) You yelled rape. At the top of your lungs. Mom, I honestly thought I was going to be raped for a second. He had the craziest look in his eyes. And at one point he said, let's get it on. That was about the fighting. I'm so not a raper. That's a whole other subject. Anyway. All right. No, it's all good. Good choice. I'm glad you showed uh, music from another dimension. A little bit of love because... I went back and listened to that record, and there are some songs on there that are listenable for me, and I'll talk <laughs> about those at some point. Okay. But let me get to my four, three, two. All right. So, number four is probably the most popular song that I have on my list, bar none. And I couldn't leave it off because honestly, it's what secured my later fandom with Aerosmith, and that is Love in an Elevator. That song is so damn good. Everything from the uh, harmony vocals at the end that are all over the place and just uh, the riff. And it's just such a good song. Yes, there is some fatigue, but not quite as much fatigue as a song like Dude Looks Like a Lady for me personally. And I love Dude Looks Like a Lady. That's another song that I think is really great. But 
that one is a little bit more fatigue than loving an elevator. And I felt like loving an elevator for me was more Aerosmith, if that makes any sense from the groove and the uh, riff and the vocals and all that stuff. Just really, really good stuff. Number three from me off of done with mirrors, man, if this song doesn't kick you in the ass from the beginning, let the music do the talking. I love, love, love the Aerosmith version of this. I know it's a Joe Perry project song. I've heard the original version of that. It's fine, but there's something about Steven Tyler's delivery and the recording of this song that just gets my blood pumping. And so that is a must have on the list for me, obviously, because I bought it all the way to number three. And at number two for me, is off a of pump, and I absolutely love the opener of Pump with Young Lust. Lust 
gets me going. That's a killer tune. That's a great one-two punch on that album from Young Lust into F-I-N-E Fine. Yep. That solidified me on Pump from the get-go. And, you know, Aerosmith, I will say this about Aerosmith. Their album kickoffs, their album openers are usually pretty strong for me personally, because that's what I like about album openers. I like to be kicked in the face from the get-go. And Aerosmith is pretty good about doing stuff like that. So that is my four, three, two. Brian, let's start with you. What do you think of those three? Well, Love and Elevator, I think if um, if this was made when I was 15, Love and Elevator would have been made my list. I think now it's just fatigue and burnout, like, like you were saying. But you can't deny it. If I hear it in concert, I love it. That What a killer riff. And that's why I was mentioning the making of Pump. You'll appreciate Love and Elevator even more when it's all stripped down and you hear how it's written. Let the music do the talking. Totally agree. I'm not a fan of the Joe Perry Project version, but I think the Aerosmith version shits all over it. Partly because... Steven Tower singing. It's tremendous. They play it, they play it live still. And Young Lust, there's a fun fact. When I really kind of discovered Aerosmith from The Simpsons in many ways. Like I'd heard Aerosmith, but the Flaming Moes episode where they they kind of you know they show up and they're the, the house band of Flaming Moes, at the end, in the closing credits, they play Young Lust, and it's a remade version of Young Lust. So yeah, I think that almost was the reason I went out and got pumped, is because they played Walk This Way and they played Young Lust. And so I was happy to hear. Uh, that kick off the album. So yeah, that, that's a great, that's a, I'm glad you picked that at number two. Alex. Love in an Elevator. That's a Stone Cold classic. I mean, what can I say about that one that hasn't already been said? It was fatigue for me for a while, but now that I have a chance to avoid classic rock radio yeah. as an adult, I've grown to love that song again. And I look forward to hearing it when it comes around on Pump Now. Uh, Let the Music Do the Talking. It killed me to leave it off my list. It was this close. But then I re-listened to Nine Lives and Taste of India just edged it out. So that, yeah, it was so close to being on my list. I love the Aerosmith version better than the Joe Perry Project version too. Although I don't think the Joe Perry Project version is bad. I think it's pretty solid. But just to interrupt you, you said it almost made your list and it killed you to leave it off. Well, it's a good thing that you replaced it with that ballad from Nine Lives. Good job, Alex. <laughs> no, it was replaced with Taste of India. <laughs> Full Circle was, was in the list from the beginning. Uh, <laughs> Taste of India, like I had to re-listen to Nine Lives and... I ended up liking Nine Lives more than I remember liking it. So that, yeah, it just ended up, I liked it a little more than Let the Music Do the Talking. So yeah, that one. And then uh, Young Lost. Yeah, that's a great opener to Pump. I love that one. It flows into F.I.N.E. Fine really well. So yeah, that song is just great. It's a, tr it's a total freight train going forward. And I agree with you. Like the opening of an Aerosmith album is always usually pretty solid. Like even an album I'm not too keen on, like Just for Play, Beyond Beautiful, that's a great opener too. So they know how to kick things off. That might be the best song on that album, for me at least, yeah. We'll talk about it at some point. Uh, we'll go into that when we rank these albums sure. from start to finish. But it brings us to our number ones. So hopefully you guys can tell me why you picked this at number one, whatever your choice is going to be, and uh, we'll go from there. Let's do the honors and starting with you, Alex, since you're the new guy here. Well, I think you guys know this was coming. My number one is Eat the Rich from Get a Grip. About all those things you said About ordinary people And how they make you 
shit this is the heaviest aerosmith song of all time not only is this my favorite song of this era it's my favorite aerosmith song of all time bar none i fucking love love this song i love the lyrics i love joe perry's guitar i love even the intro that like is technically a separate track on the album beforehand that little rap i think that's so cool and then the jungle drums kick in and it just gets more and more intense that all of a sudden joey kramer kicks in with like those those hits and down like you're just like holy shit and then it kicks in and steven screaming his head off like it's just the perfect aerosmith song it's everything i want from the band it's a freight train i and like i said i love the guitar solo yeah this is my number one aerosmith song of all time wow awesome what can be said about that that both Brian and I haven't already said, but you really put a capper on it by saying it's a favorite song of all time, man. That is super high praise and good for you. I'm not going to argue with you because it kicks you in the ass. That song's awesome. Uh, yeah. So good choice. Congratulations. You've made it through <laughs> your top 10. Brian, do you have anything to say about Get a Grip that you haven't already said? No, I mean, it made my list. I'm glad it made all three of our lists and uh, true testament to how good that song is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Brian, that leads us to you. Quit uh, keeping us all in suspense and lead <laughs> us to your number one, my friend. Well, one of the things I think we all did a great job because we're all picking non-obvious things. So I, I think that's fun. I'm definitely going non-obvious. I'm picking for my number one track, Voodoo Medicine Man from Pump. This has always been one of my favorite Aerosmith tracks of any era. And again, you have to hand it to Brad Whitford. He's a co-writer on this one with, with Steven Tyler. And I've always thought Brad Whitford is the unsung hero. Now, at first listen, especially with the intro, you might think this is some artsy-fartsy thing that they're trying. It could go horribly wrong, just like Prelude to Joni on Rockin' a Hard Place. That That's terrible. But once the song starts, it's just a barn burner. There's this enormous drum sound from Joey Kramer, and Steven Tyler just wails. Lies. 
sound modern for the time and at the same time they kind of sound retro from you know like the 70s heyday i it's a song that i always love listening to i think it's a hidden gem uh no pun intended uh, on pump and i wish they would have done more epic style songs like this in the vein of flesh in the vein of uh, taste of india instead of you know the plethora of ballad retread so voodoo medicine man on pump nobody's gonna pick that as their number one so i'm gonna, I'm gonna hang my hat on that one well I'll start us off here. So that's it's an interesting choice for sure. I will say this. Voodoo Medicine Man is definitely an honorable mention for me and just missed my list. I didn't think anybody else but me loved that song because I've heard so many people kind of diss that song. And to me, that song and Hangman's Jury are basically cousin songs. They're very much in the same vibe and vein of that swampy, bluesy, and it's not that far from what Aerosmith uh, does. It's it's basically a building block uh, in the DNA of Aerosmith, so I don't understand why people write that stuff off. But I love the song. It's an interesting choice for number one, but... Definitely, that song gets love from me. Well, I think it could have been like on Sonic Temple from the Cult. It's got that type of vibe for me, it's kind of that big drum sound. But yeah, it's always been that has always been one of my favorite tracks off Pump. Uh, you know, even as a kid. So yeah, that's interesting, Alex. Uh, yeah, that song. It was kind of like Magic Touch as well for me. It was a song that I never really paid attention to until I was getting ready to, to do this episode, and it really stood out to me this time. Time when I listened to it, it made me want to go back and hear it again. It's great that you picked it as your number one. Just a song that is like I've never really like I guess given the proper attention to. Like I've listened to Pump a lot, but maybe that song has just kind of always gone past me. But this last time, man, that groove, that harmonica, that intro, it really hooked me in. So yeah, good choice, man. I I, I can't argue with that. <laughs> Thank you. So that leaves me to give my number one from Aerosmith, Permanent Vacation, with the lead-off track, Hearts Done Time, my absolute favorite, written by Joe Perry and Desmond Child. The drum sound in this uh, song is amazing. I know that there's this lead-up that builds up 
which I kind of love. Like I love the hum of the amplifiers and the feedback and that kick drum that just kind of comes in and just gets louder and louder and louder. And then it leads into the iconic Steven Tyler, you know, scat vibe that he does, his screaming thing that he's is so much him and nobody else. And then that riff and... That song is so bombastic to me 
I love everything about it. I love the course. I love the pre-course. I love the melody. I love the guitars. I love the drums. It's just, I love that tune. And that is my number one heart stun time off a of permanent vacation. Alex. That would be an honorable mention for me. I, I fucking love that song too. I think it's a great way to kick off permanent vacation. And I'm really glad you picked it because that was another contender for my list that I ended up having to give the ax to. So yeah, I agree with everything you said. The drums are huge. I love like, it's like the album's like coming alive and waking up when the song starts. So I love that about it. It's like, again, it's the perfect album opener for sure. So yeah, great choice. I think it's funny you picked it because in many ways, I think it's a lot like Voodoo Medicine Man. It's got that epic intro buildup, you know, kind of like one's more like kind of the outback with Voodoo. And then I think it's like whales in the, you know, Heart's Done Time, it if is. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think they're a lot alike. So we're, we're, I think, closer than you think, Stephen. But yeah, I love that that starts off permanent vacation and goes into, you know, Magic Touch and then to the hit of Ragdoll. So I don't get the hate of permanent vacation. So I, I do think there's some filler in there. But uh, what a what a way to lead off the album for me. Yeah. All right. Well, so that is our top 10. Real quick, if you guys will just run down your list from 10 to 1. Brian, let's start with you. Sure. Number 10, Taste of India from Nine Lives. Uh, number 9 is Eat the Rich from Get a Grip. Uh, number 8, What It Takes from Pump. Uh, number 7, F-I-N-E Fine from Pump. Uh, number 6, Magic Touch from Permanent Vacation. Uh, number 5, uh, Jailbait from Rock in a Hard Place. Uh, number 4, My Fist Your Face from Done With Mirrors. Number three, Street Jesus from the much maligned music from Another Dimension. Uh, number two, Lightning Strikes from Rock and a Hard Place. And then number one, Voodoo Menace Man from Pump. Awesome. Alex? Number 10, Taste of India from Nine Lives. Number nine, The Reason a Dog from Done with Mirrors. Number eight, Hangman Jury, Permanent Vacation. Number seven, Shut Up and Dance from Get a Grip. Number six, Fever from Get a Grip. And number five, Walk on Down from Get a Grip. Uh, number four, Full Circle from Nine Lives. Number three, My Girl from Pump. Number two, F.I. Any Fine from Pump. And number one, The Massive Eat the Rich from Get a Grip. All right. My number 10, Falling in Love is Hard on the Knees. Number nine, Bolivian Ragamuffin. Number eight, Magic Touch. Number seven, Eat the Rich. Number six, F.I.N.E. Fine. Number five, Simaria. Number four, Going Down, Loving an Elevator. Number three, Let the Music do the talking and number two young lust number one hearts done time off a permanent vacation that is the rundown now let's rank those albums so alex let's start with you all right so starting at my least favorite just push play my least favorite just yeah, that album's a little meh for me, but I do got to give a shout out to Beyond Beautiful. I think that's a good opener. Uh, after that, Rock at a Hard Place. Not a bad album, just a lot of hit or misses on that one for me, but I got to shout out uh, the title cut on that one and Push Comes to Shove. Uh, after that, Done With Mirrors. Pretty solid record, but they, I feel like they get better after this. So uh, my shout out from this one is going to be She's On Fire. Uh, up next, Music From Another Dimension. Incredibly underrated album. I adore this record. It needs more love, for sure. And I got to shout out Love Three Times a Day, uh, Legendary Child, Out Go the Lights, and The Incredible Closer, Another Last Goodbye. Yes. Uh, up next, Permanent Vacation. Great comeback. One of the best comebacks in music, I think, for sure. Up there with like Private Dancer by Tina Turner. That's a great comeback record. Uh, number three, we got Nine Lives. Absolutely crushing album. Totally underrated. Some great stuff on there to check out. From Nine Lives, I'm going to shout out the farm i think that's a really cool song and hole in my soul and pink and number two get a grip just incredible uh if it was a little shorter it probably would have been my number one 
But my number one is going to be Pump, just absolutely lean, mean Aerosmith from the 80s to 90s era. I'm a little bit surprised that Get a Grip wasn't higher because that had more song choices for you than anything else in your top 10, didn't it? It does, but Pump is a more consistent listen. Like Get a Gri- Get a Grip's just a little too long. Like if it if they hacked off, maybe like line up and gotta love it and one of the ballads. Like then I think it would overtake Pump for me. But because of that, I got to give the nod to Pump. Yeah, I mean I agree. It totally makes sense. But you definitely gave it love in your uh, in your top. And as much love as I thought you were gonna have for music from another dimension, did you have anything off of that record in your top ten? I did not, did not, like I said, I really wanted to have, like, I wanted, I had another last goodbye in there, but I ended up cutting that one. Yeah, see, so literally, Alex, I don't think I can believe anything that you say from this point on, (laughs) I'm going to be honest with you. (laughs) Well, well, with albums ranked, I got to go with, like, the listening experience with what's addicted with me, not individual tracks. So that's kind of why I've ordered it the way I did. The great thing about music is you can be totally full of shit and it's your choice. It's okay. That's what's great about it. Look, Sonny's a master at that. Yeah, he is. Yes, he is. He'll tell you he doesn't even know why Absolutely. he likes certain stuff. Uh, oh, my just God. Listen to one episode of Grown Up Rock, you'll, you'll, you'll yeah, get that. Exactly. Yeah. All right, Brian, uh, rank your albums for us. Totally in, on par with, with Alex. Just push play. That is the biggest pile of Aerosmith dog crap there is. One good song, and that's Beyond Beautiful. Yeah, actually, the best song is a bonus track. It's called Face, and it was on the Best Buy like exclusive, and, and it's great. It's like this acoustic, fun, like it's it's a good song. And uh, yeah, check out Face. You can find it on YouTube or something like that. Uh, seven, uh, nine lives. I, I do like Something's Got to Give. I like the Farm, but yeah, I just did. That's when it started to lose me with, with Aerosmith a little bit. I would still buy every album, but yeah. Uh, number six, I do like music from another dimension more than those two albums. I think Alex mentioned Alco the Lights, Legendary Child. Legendary Child actually was written back in 91 during the pump era. Yeah. So good stuff. Now, I'm going to throw in a curveball here because I do love the blues. If we could have put it in there, I would have put Honking on Bobo next because I love the blues. I love their covers. I realized it was an original album, but I thought it was better than the three albums I just picked. Uh, number five, I, w- I would pick Get a Grip. I would say my honorable mentions would have been Fever and Flesh. I think I really like Flesh. For Permanent Vacation, uh, Hangman Jury, I, that almost made my list. Again, I love the blues, and uh, I love Hearts on Time. Number three, Rock in a Hard Place. Yeah, just it, it's a great it, – it's very 70s. I mean, it's it's kind of that era. I think it's a forgotten gem because Joe Perry and Brad Blitford aren't in it. Uh, so definitely worth checking out. Two, Done With Mirrors. Again, it's, if you're just a rock fan, like all of the rockers are on that one. There's no ballads. And I love Sheila. Uh, that's I, that's going to be my one for that. And number one, it's easy. Pump. I think Pump's as good as their '70s stuff. And again, it, it's there's no filler on it. It's it's awesome. I think if if they had retired after Pump, people would be thinking they're one of the greatest bands ever. And uh, all those hard rock fans that uh, that kind of got lost after Get a Grip, I think would have been they would be re- you know, hoping they'd reunite at some point for an album instead of you know complaining about music from a different dim- from another dimension and just was playing all that. So Pump by far number one. Yeah, so you're definitely in line with the Alex. You two are definitely left of center from what I'm about to give you because my list is pretty far off of what you guys had there. But hey, it's all good because like we kind of pointed out, there is decent stuff on, well, for me, there's decent stuff on all these records. For you guys, maybe not so much, but I'll go ahead and give my list. So at number eight for me, 
music from another dimension. I just don't like it. I listen to it again. I will go with Love Three Times a Day, Out Go the Lights, and Legendary Child. Those are definitely listenable songs. And outside of those, I don't know. You'd be hard-pressed to get me to like another tune off that record. And those songs, to me, at best, are not as good as the rest of the stuff. At number seven for me, Just Push Play. I know, Brian, you've already voiced your opinion about this record. I mean, I understand why people don't like it. There's a lot of drum machine weird stuff going on. I get that. I really do get that. There's a lot of sequence in a lot of drum machines. So I definitely understand the hatred for that. But if you get past that and just listen to the tunes and the riffs, I actually don't mind the title track, Just Push Play. I think Beyond Beautiful is decent. I think Jaded is a good pop tune. I think the melody in Jaded is decent. And then Trip Hoppin' doesn't bug me that much either. Um, <laughs> Are you sure you're not? It's not legal in Georgia? And, uh, sure? As far as I know. Okay. But again, Just Push Play and Beyond Beautiful for me would be my top two off of that record. And the rest is just kind of, it's there. It's, it's meh. For me at number six is Nine Lives. I like the title track, Nine Lives. I've always liked Pink. I thought Pink is a fun song. I like Something's Gotta Give. I think that's a great tune as well. There is some good stuff on Nine Lives, and I think that record probably gets more hate than it actually should. I think if people would give it an honest chance, go back and listen to it, they might find some stuff that they like off of that record. At number five, it's actually the album that brought me back into the Aerosmith fold, and that's Done With Mirrors. There was a cover band at the time when I was growing up that I used to see all the time, and they would do a really good version of Sheila. And it was at the time the record came out, and that's what got me interested enough to go, okay, let me go get this record. So I went and got the record and uh, started digging stuff, you know, uh, obviously done with mirrors. I love Sheila. I love my fist, your face. I love reason the dog. I love let the music do the talking. So definitely some solid stuff on done with mirrors at number four for me is get a grip. I used to think that I really didn't like Get a Grip that much, so I wanted to return to it and listen to it. And I was kind of surprised at how much I did actually like with Get a Grip. Shut Up and Dance, as we already talked about, I really like a lot. Living on the Edge wasn't a bad tune. It just wasn't what I wanted to hear after Pump. And then the title track, Get a Grip, I think is also a decent tune. And there's other things that I don't mind on that record. So Get a Grip comes in at number four for me. At number three is the, to me, very underrated rock in a hard place. I think songs like Lightning Strikes and Bitches Brew and Jailbait are all really good. What really screws that album up is the crap like Joni, uh, yes. <laughs> Joni and stuff like that. There's some, there is some shit on that record and it's not a long record. So, you know, if you've only got eight songs or whatever's on it and three of those songs suck, then it really brings the overall rating of the record down. But I think uh, Rock in a Hard Place is an underrated record. At number two for me, and I'll be honest, my number two and my number one, I could go back and forth. But what I kept coming back to is the amount of times that I really, really listened to each of these records. And there's so much quality stuff on this. And as you guys can kind of tell from my top 10 list, my love is going to go to Pump at number two. 
and permanent vacation at number one for me. At least my number one, Alex, is consistent with my top 10 list, which <laughs> you don't quite figure that out yet, but that's okay. We'll get there. We'll get there. You're young. I know you're young. But for me, Pump with songs like the songs that we didn't talk about that I love, Voodoo Medicine Man, which obviously Brian talked about as his number one, but I also like Monkey on My Back. Oh, yeah. I've dug that tune as well. Uh, and then everything else that we've already talked about, F.I.N.E. Fine and Young Lust and Loving an Elevator, all that stuff. So Pump is just a, if I had to point somebody in a direction for who was new to Aerosmith and they said, hey, I don't know anything about Aerosmith, but I don't want you to give me any of the old shit. Give me something from the new era of Aerosmith. I would point them to pump and say, listen to this. And I would do that before permanent vacation, because I know that there's a lot on permanent vacation that people don't like, you know, it basically permanent vacation started the path of ballads for them where they went down that ballad kind of rabbit hole and became for me, became the band that I don't like today. And the reason is because now when you go see Aerosmith live, they have like five ballads that are hits that they have to play for people, which means half the damn concert is ballads instead of the killer good shit that they could be playing. I saw them. I don't know what tour it was. Not that long ago, probably five years at this point. I don't know. Whenever I saw them slashing the conspirators opened up and it was half ballads, but the only good thing is they played No More, No More, which was awesome mm. off of Toys in the Attic. So that yeah. was that was the good treat that we got. That's my issue with Aerosmith right now. But I love them for everything they gave us before the ballads. That's my list. Only one thing I want to bring up. We kind of discussed this before we even started recording, like on our little Facebook messaging. I truly think if Just Push Play was the last album they released, it would get all the hate. I think people just kind yeah. of forget about Just Push Play because it was almost 20 years ago and they just they throw all the hate on on music for another dimension so i, I steven went he's true to his word he i don't he, you still don't like just put play it was your second least favorite but i i think if people put them side by side and listen to them i don't think it's a contest so it'll be interesting what, what people say after this comes out yeah i've never really got the love that music from like music for another dimension not getting the love i think it kind of deserves <laughs> like i feel like there's a lot of classic aerosmith sounds on that album so i've kind of and I'm surprised it's the nadir for a lot of people, I guess, yeah. is my thing. Like, I get Just just Push Play. It's weird. It's a weird-ass yeah. album. Music from Another Dimension, I feel like, is more online with Pump and Get a Grip. Yep, I agree. I mean, I'll listen to it again because I really wanted to give it open ears. And I just I couldn't get through it. Is, is it the length? Because I get it's the long. length. It's long yeah. as fuck. It needs to be trimmed down by like three songs. It's longer than Get a Grip. <laughs> it's just the riffs and the songs, man. I mean, listen... After we release this episode, I will go back and listen to it again because I'm, <laughs> I'm determined to hear what you guys are hearing. But also, I would encourage you to go back and listen to Just Push Play, but try to tune out the drum machines and the... <laughs> How do you do that? <laughs> I know, this is crazy. Tune out the... <laughs> So let me say this. So don't try to tune out the sequencers and drum machines. Try to listen out for the classic Aerosmith riffs because they are in there in some of those tunes. So the songs that I mentioned, Trip Hoppin' and 
Just Push Play, Beyond Beautiful. The riffs are there for those tunes. But again, to your point, Brian, it still came in at number seven for me because it's not as good as some of the other stuff. It's never going to be as good as Pump or Permanent Vacation to me, not even close. No. And I I think people should go back and listen to Judas Priest's uh, Turbo without the synth guitar, too. Do what Steven said. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I'll tell you, I'm the first person not to get off subject here, but I'm the first person (laughs) that says that to me, Turbo aged really well. For me personally, I like yeah, Turbo man. a lot more now than the day it was released. Sure. Uh, and I still think Turbo is head and shoulders above Ram It Down. Oh, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah. We digress. So, yeah. you know, like we always like to do around here at Grown Up Rock, we love to tie this episode to Kiss. You wanted the best, but you got the best. The hottest band in the world, Kiss! It's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock. So here's how we're going to tie our historic moment to Aerosmith. In 1998, Aerosmith released a live album that was called A Little South of Sanity. Brian, you know this record? I do. I bought it the day it came out. I also bought... A Black Sabbath's reunion the day it came out because they came out on the same day. So it was a very happy live double album day for me. There you go. Alex, are you familiar with this record? I am familiar with it. I actually just got a copy not too long ago. I got I actually got a copy that unbeknownst to me is the Japanese copy with the OB strip on the inside. So that's pretty cool. Is there any bonus stuff on the Japanese one? Sadly, no, but ah. it's, it's still a good listen. Like I mm-hmm. think it's a kick-ass live record. I agree, especially later. Well, it doesn't matter because it'll never be as good as live bootleg uh, (laughs) because that's just the absolute shit. But anyway, how this ties to Kiss. Well, in 1998, Kiss released none other than Psycho Circus, the first record with all the original members, or at least we all thought that was what we were sold. We were all sold that turd. But I asked our new friend, Alex, Give me some of your favorite Kiss songs. And he gave me the album Hotter Than Hell, but he also gave me Psycho Circus. And so off of 98's Psycho Circus, here's a tune written by Paul Stanley and Holly Knight called Raise Your Glasses.
There you go, boys. There you go, Alex. What do you think of uh, Raise Your Glasses? That's one of your favorites, huh? That's one of my favorites on that album. Yeah, I just think it's one of those great, like, there's a lot of Kiss songs to me that are, like, almost like this, like, Brotherhood of Rock fans coming together. And that song is just, like, a celebration of Kiss, a celebration of the band, a celebration of rock and roll. I love that song. I think Psycho Circus is an underrated album. And even though you said, like, the lie of it being the original band, unfortunately, it's not. I still think it's a great record. And it's an album I revisit a lot still. Yeah. What about you, Brian? Do you have any love for that record or that song at all? I really like Alex. Uh, it's like I, it's it's this, I, it's one of my least favorite albums of kids. <laughs> so that uh, Crazy Nights and uh, Carnival of Souls kind of rotate for the bottom for me. So uh, I remember buying Psycho Circus when it came out, and I did like Within and Into the Void, but yeah, just not a not a fan of that album. Are you a hater of the song Psycho Circus too? Uh, no, I, I don't think that's bad. I um, really like that song. Yeah, yeah I, I don't think it's bad. Raise Your Glasses, I think, is fine. I'm with you, Brian. I liked Into the Void as well. I love Psycho Circus. That's definitely probably my favorite song on the record. All right, so, fellas, this has been a fun episode. Like I said, I would encourage people to go back to episode 150, which was the 73 through 79 Aerosmith that both Brian Davis uh, myself and Phil Schaus covered. That was basically the first part of this. And then, of course, we uh, uh, invited Alex on to uh, finish us out. And uh, we closed out the Aerosmith career from 82 to 2012. So good episode, guys. We uh, we had a good time. Yeah. Hell yeah. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on yeah. again. This was a lot of fun. It was great meeting Alex as well. It was great meeting you, Brian. It was great to be on Growing Up Rock because I, I listen to you guys pretty regularly ever since we did that little uh, Pods and Saws collaboration. So it's great to be on the show. And yeah, me and you guys are going to have to get on an episode of my own sometime. I don't know what we'll do, but I'm definitely going to have both of you on the show for sure at some point. Well, that's right. So both of you guys got podcast, obviously, that we referenced at the beginning. Alex, why don't you tell folks about your podcast and uh, they can, I'm sure, get it at any platform. So just tell us when you drop new episodes. So I drop episodes. I'm not quite as frequent as some people. I drop them on a monthly basis just because I'm a little busier. But I do drop an episode each month. I've got two actually this month. Uh, it's a two-parter. It's I'm going through the whole Meatloaf discography with my buddy Alexander mm-hmm. Van Cleef. Uh, yeah, Meatloaf is another one of my favorite artists. And I'm dropping part two this Friday, which I don't know if this episode will be out in time for that. But uh, I'm dropping part two, which is which covers uh, Bat 2 through up to the Braver Than We Are album, which I have some interesting thoughts on. You'll want to check that out if you're a Meatloaf fan. So, yeah, you can find the podcast everywhere. Sly Dog Music Cast. I'm on Twitter, Facebook. And you can find me anywhere. And go check it, Go check out the back episodes, too. They're great. Awesome. How about you there, Brian? Yeah, so damn good movie memories once a week. Uh, every Friday, you get a new a new movie from my DVD collection. You never know what it's going to be. It could be film noir from the 40s. It could be 
South Park the movie, which is coming up next. It's a it's a gamut of uh, it's a wide gamut. So and then I also throw a plug here for my radio show. So I'm on thatmetalstation.com every Wednesday night at 11 p.m. Eastern time, and it is all bluesy hard rock. So that's I love the blues, and so we'll play straight up blues, but we also play Aerosmith and White Snake from the 70s and and bands like that. So. Uh, it's a lot of fun, so check it out. The Bad Beat on ThatMetalStation.com every Wednesday night, 11 p.m. Eastern Time. Awesome, fellas. I really appreciate your participation in this wonderful Aerosmith episode. Thank you to all the Grown Up Rock listeners. Thank you to the Grown Up Rock Loud Minority Facebook group. And thank you to my co-host, Sonny Pooney. Without you, this podcast ain't happening. So thank you, buddy. And uh, we will check all y'all out, I guess, next week when the next episode drops. See ya. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys. Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K.com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it.